today we're going to continue our journey in the one campaign. And today I want to look at the gospel of Mark. I don't know if most of you know this, but Mark is the oldest gospel uh, that is written. Some of you is like, no, the first gospel that's written is Matthew. No, that's the first one that is in your Bible, okay? Mark is actually the oldest gospel. Mark was actually known uh, for writing in terms of action, which literally meant, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about just in a minute, you'll meant, or, or it meant, when he began to write, his words begin to come to life on the page. Have you ever read a book and it just kind of come to life in front of you? And you were like, man, I can, I can vividly see this. I can see it. That's what type of writer Mark was. He literally painted a picture as he was stroking his pen, right? As he was doing that, he painted this picture. And he was, he was literally painting a picture for us to be able to see exactly what was going on in a specific situation. And today we find ourselves in Mark chapter 4, when God began to speak to me and say, this is what I want you to preach on. I'm like, how does this tie into the one? And he said, this is what I want you to preach on. And I'm, I'm preaching today out of Mark chapter 4, but in chapter 5 is when Jesus actually met the one. And I really realized at that point, okay, there's a purpose in what God is trying to get me to preach. So if you would today, I was going to start out with verse 35 of Mark chapter 4. I want to back up to verse 1. And I want to read it, we'll pray, and then we'll get into the text today. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Listen to how the writer is painting a picture for us this morning. And again he began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. See, what I like about Mark's pen and how he begins to script this story of Jesus in Mark chapter 4, I like how he paints this picture of a creative Jesus. Jesus was always making room for other people. Did you hear that in one verse? As the crowds begin to gather around Jesus, Jesus steps back into the boat so that there's, the crowd can come all the way to the water and people were just packing in. And not only that, our creative Jesus said, hey, push me out just a little bit. Let my voice begin to reverberate off of the waters to become an amplifier so that all of these people can hear the words that I'm about to speak. Do you see the picture that is being painted by Mark? He's such an amazing writer and an author. Now go to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. So he is there, he's teaching, he's in the boat, he's setting down, he's standing up. I, I choose to believe that Jesus was a spitting preacher, you know? He was just one of those exciting guys. He was spitting all the time, but I don't know. The Bible says that he sat down in the boat and began to teach people. Maybe Jesus was just his teacher and he was very calm and all that type of stuff. I don't know, but here Jesus is. He's looking at the disciples after a day of teaching all day long. See, some of these preachers around here, they're like, man, I, I can't do two services. Are you kidding? Jesus did all day. He did all day. And Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, hey, get in the boat. See, we're always preaching about getting out of the boat, stepping by, out by faith. Here's what Jesus is doing in Mark chapter 4. He said, get in the boat 
because there's another mission. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you so much for another mission. Thank you, God, that you've called us to get in the boat with you. Thank you, God, for the other side. God, where more people are, where there's someone that's lost and dying and hurt that needs Jesus. Allow us all to run after the one. Bless me as I teach your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all give it up for Kenzie today. Today's her birthday. Today's her birthday. Kenzie, yeah, she just walks off. She just walks off. Kenzie's been with us for, well, I ain't going to tell how many years, but she's been a worship leader at this church since she was 19 years old. Yes. And now that she's 43, I mean, it's, we love you, girl. We love you. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Maybe, maybe turn those numbers backwards and you get what Kenzie is today, but she's been with the church for years. We're so blessed to have her playing the piano, right? Yes, we're so blessed. Thank you, Kenzie. You owe me $20 for that plug. Okay. Boring, predictable, mundane, routine was not. Those words were not in the vocabulary of Jesus. Jesus was anything but predictable. He was anything but routine. And here you've got Jesus, the first mega preacher in all the world. You've got Jesus sitting in a boat by a seashore with thousands of thousands of people listening to him preach and he's not satisfied with that he literally looks at his disciples and he says get in the boat they're probably like what do you mean it feels good here Jesus it feels good right it's kind of like our situation it feels good here Jesus I mean we could just continue with what we're doing here I mean, look around the room right now. There's a bunch of empty seats. Why build another building when there's a bunch of empty seats? Because I promise you, the harvest that God has in store for us, this place will not hold it. This place will not hold it. What I love about Jesus is Jesus inspires us to do more. He inspires us to go further, to not stop, to keep pressing in and pressing on. Amen? That's what he does. He inspires us to do that. He wants us to keep moving forward. He was always, throughout Scripture, he was always putting the disciples in situations that stretched them. Have you ever been stretched by God? Come on. You feel like you're about to pop or break and you're going through storms of life and you don't know what's going to happen the next minute and, and, and you're just fearful and you're scared for the whole thing. But Jesus has got you right in the middle of that thing. And just like Jesus has stretched his disciples through the word that we see, Jesus has not changed. He stretches us. I'll be honest, when God began to speak and things begin to happen and explode at our church, I begin to think, oh my goodness, what are we going to do next? And that's when Jesus began to stretch us as the leadership team of this, of this ministry. And I'm not just talking about our staff team, but our staff uh, of volunteer leaders that we have, which we have about 58 of them or 58 or 60 of them. That, that lead different ministries and God began to stretch us and say, hey, you've got to do this. Let's go to the other side. It's tough when you get stretched in life. It's tough when you, you, you've got things that are starting to fall in place and everything is going hunky-dory. And then God says, hey, I want you to go to the other side. And you go, no, I don't want to. I want to stay right here. Right? 
because that's what we do sometimes. Mark chapter 4, verse 36. Let's keep on. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. So I've got the boat here with me today. We had this imported from Jerusalem. They believed that this was Jesus' boat. Amen? Y'all didn't laugh. That was a corny joke, man. Just laugh. Just laugh. There you go. Thank you. Ha, 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 yeah. All right. All right. So, so here Jesus is. He's getting in the boat. Let me tell you what this boat became. This boat became a vehicle from point A to point B. This boat that Jesus was in literally became the vehicle that would get him to the one. Do you want to know what that thousand-seat sanctuary is going to be for us? It's only going to be a vehicle to get us from point A to point B. It's only going to be a vehicle that will get us to the destination that God is wanting for us in the season of ministry that we are in. The new space for our children over there, around 10,000 square feet, do you want to know what that'll be? That'll only be a vehicle to get us to where God wants us to go. How many of you know God's probably going to have us get off that boat and then he'll say, hey, let's go on over to the other side. I need you to get back into the boat. And you'll go, oh my gosh, we just got all this built. What do you mean we got to go to the other side? Is this not good enough? Let me tell you, expansion is in Jesus' vocabulary. Amen? Doing more is in Jesus' vocabulary. But when you do more, when you get into the boat with Jesus, you better expect some type of turbulence. When you start doing things for God, you better know that the enemy will be on your heel. Amen? Mark chapter 4, verse 37 and 38, listen to what it says. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. Now, I read it in the Jamie version. I believe Mark, being this writer that he was, he would read it something like this. And a great windstorm arose. And then as he was reading it, these lightning flashes and the thunder would begin to roar. You know, that's terrible, but you know what I'm saying. A great windstorm arose and the waves began to beat in to the boat so that it was already filling. I can imagine as Mark is writing this, he remembers some of the things that he had heard and the disciples were frantic and they were going around and saying, oh my goodness, Jesus told us to get in the boat. Where is Jesus? But Jesus is in the stern, asleep on a pillow. See, sometimes when we're looking in our life situations and we're saying, where is Jesus? Jesus is asleep in the stern of our boats on a pillow. See, the things that bother us don't bother Jesus. See, the things that bother us, Jesus says, hmm, hmm, I think I'll take me a nap. And Jesus just gets in our little lifeboat of our life. And the things that are bothering us so much, isn't it amazing that as we are going through some of the toughest times in our life, that Jesus will be sitting down in our life, just laying around and... Y'all got him. Asleep. 
limo. Can you imagine? How in the heck can you put me in a situation? How can you put me in a situation where my life feels threatened? My life is about to, I'm dying. Do you not understand that these winds and waves, I've got a bucket and there's more water coming in than there's going out. And we're trying our best to do everything that we can. But here's what you have to understand. You've got to understand who's in the boat with you. It wasn't about the water coming in the boat. It was about the wells of living water that was already in the boat. See, what we're doing when, when we're inviting people, come get in the boat, let's go over to the other side. We have to understand that this is a God thing here at Compassion Church. This is not a man thing. Don't you ever look at me and think this is all happening because of me. You over there? Don't think that this is happening because of the staff of this church. And, and, and let's just all just get real real quick. Let's don't think that all this is happening because of us. All this is happening because of him. He has spoken. He said, I declare. Come on now. He is the one that said, do this. Mark chapter 4, verse 38 and 39. And they awoke him. Listen. Mark is, Mark is painting this picture. So they're frantic on the boat. And they're going around. And, and the Bible says that they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, hey, wake up. Do you not care that we are perishing? See, Jesus ain't focused on what we're focused on. It's very easy for me to be focused on the monetary value of what this is going to cost. Jesus ain't focused on that. Jesus is not worried about the monetary value. Jesus is worried about the people that are going to be reached because of what we're doing. I know without a shadow of a doubt, and you're going to hear it 18,000 more times, but I know in Greenville, Pennsylvania, sitting in the hotel room, I heard the trees have already been harvested. I know that sounds weird to a lot of people. Some people say money don't grow on trees. Money is trees. What do you mean? Right? The trees have already been harvested. Now what we have to do is we have to pray to the Lord of the harvest. And we have to ask God to God just convict our hearts. What is our portion? What's our part in all of this? But in the meantime, we're looking at Jesus going, hey, don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you care that we're drowning over here? But I love verse 39. It says, then he arose and rebuked the wind. He got up from the stern of the boat. Now, I promise you, Jesus' boat looked a little bit better than this boat. All right? But Jesus was down in the stern in the back of the boat. Jesus gets up and he rebukes with authority because that's who he is. He rebukes with authority the, the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. Peace. I love it. I love it. See, here's, here's, what he, here's what he's speaking over us today. He's speaking, peace, calm down. I got this. This is my show. Peace. I love that little comma right after peace. Because a lot of us, we, we just preach it. Peace, be still. No, there was a pause. 
peace. Be still. And the Bible says the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Why? Because of the voice of the Lord. I promise you, in your individual life or our church's life, faith will always be tested between point A and point B. From where you are, where God brought you to, and where he's taken you to. I promise you, where he brought you to, you probably got tested here, but you're here. Thank God for being here. Oh, well, God's not done with you yet. He's fixing to tell you to get back in the boat. And as you go, there's probably going to be some turbulence. There's going to be some storms. There's going to be some trials. But consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you go through various trials and temptations. Amen. Peace. Peace. Mark chapter 4, 40 and 41. But he said to them, I love it. They're having a conversation in the boat now. I mean, they're probably standing in ankle-deep water or more. Jesus is just up on the top going, for real? Y'all got me up for this? I didn't tell you, hey, let's go to the middle of the sea and die. I told you, get in the boat and let's go to the other side. When I tell you, let's go to the other side, I'm not going to stop halfway and just give up. We're going to go all the way to the other side. Can you hear Jesus saying stuff like this? I mean, it's just crazy. And he says, why are you so fearful? Why are you full of fear? All the miracles, all the things that you've seen me do. Everything that you have seen up to this point. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I don't get it, guys. Come on, man. Did you see that he tied fear to a lack of faith? Every time you fear, it drains the faith of God out of you that you should have. It's almost like the plug in the boat. When you start fearing, you just take that plug out and you throw that plug off into the deep. And you're just sitting there and that, that, that boat just begins to sink. See, that's what was happening. They thought their boat was sinking. Fear caused them to believe that their boat boat was sinking, faith caused them, just a little bit, mustard seed faith, caused them to go down into the stern of the boat and say, do you not care that we're perishing? And Jesus comes out and says, peace, be still. And he says, guys, why are you so fearful? Why do you not have faith? And listen, why are you so fearful? That was the question, right? Listen to verse 41. And they feared exceedingly. Some people would read that and, well, that just don't make sense. That makes perfect sense. Because they quit fearing their circumstance and started in that very moment fearing their God. And here's what he said. They feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey this guy? They have introduced to the authority of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. When you get yourself under the authority of Jesus Christ and from out from under the authority of the world and all your circumstances, I'm telling you, there will be a huge difference made in your life. So here's the true question. Whose authority are you under? Whose authority are you under? 
Come on, write it down. You need to ask, you need to ask your que- yourself that question this week. Whose authority am I under? What, do, do I really believe that in here I'm protected? That in here, even though it looks like my marriage is falling apart, it's going to be okay because Jesus is in this marriage. It looks like your son or your daughter is going to run off and just be rebellious and be addicted to drugs. Is Jesus in your boat? Come on. I'll tell you what, God, God tests us from time to time. Here's how he tests us. He tests us according to our faith in our Father, not just our faith. Listen, it don't take much to have faith in the good times. God tests our faith in the good times. Our faith is strong in the good times. God tests our faithfulness in the bad times. There's a difference. Okay, I understand you got faith with me. Now how faithful are you? Here comes some winds, and here comes the waves. What are you going to do? I'll tell you the one thing that God is testing right now in our church, Compassion Church, Dixon, Tennessee, our faith in our Father. Our faith in our Father. I want to tell you something. If I can get real, can I just get real with you for a minute? It's a very intimate setting here today. It's scary being the guy that everything rests on his shoulders. It's scary. And I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I just say, what if? Those of you that know me personally, you know that I have a tendency to focus on the negative, not the positive. I know that may may seem like that that's not true. I have to fight that all the time. And I'll be honest, one of the questions is, what if? What if we don't get a lot of of support from our congregation in this campaign? Now I understand, look, we can pay our bills. We can pay pay the mortgage payment that's going to be on that building. We're not up here begging for money saying, oh, we're going to lose everything that we have if you don't step up. That's not the position that this church is in. But what if? What if the people don't respond the way that God told me, showed me, that they were going to respond. I believe, I'm telling you, by the time December the 16th gets here and we start celebrating everything that happened the previous three weeks, it's going to blow our mind. You mark my words. It's going to blow our mind. I want to go just, I I, I just want to go Joel Osteen on you for a minute. Let's quit thinking about the negative and let's start thinking about the positive. Amen. Right? What if? If we want to start talking about what if, because a lot of us have had what ifs in our lives. How many of you have had what if in your life? Come on. Your personal life, you're just like, what if, what if, what if I take this job and it falls through? And what if I step out and do this and it don't work? And what if I expose myself? Or what, what if I go over here and, and start this relationship and it don't work out? What if, what if? Well, what if it does? What if all of everything that we know that God has spoken to us when he told us to get in the boat, what if it all works out? What if God's people hears his voice and begins to be obedient and they hear what they should give and they actually give it? What if? You want to talk about what if, let's talk about what if. What if someone actually comes and pays the whole stinking thing off in one check? What if? Come on. 
What if all of us in the room is going, yeah, bring that person, Jesus. Bring that person. Amen. Come on. But what if? What if God does bring that person? Who knows what could happen? The sky is the limit. But the thing is, are we going to get in the boat or are we not? Because there's one on the other side. There's one on the other side. Do you know that that big time preacher named Jesus left all those people to go to the other side of the sea in Mark chapter 5 for one person? One? What? what are you? Jesus, this has nothing to do with church growth. Are you kidding me, Jesus? Jesus goes, oh, it has everything to do with church growth. It has everything to do with my kingdom. Because that one man got set free and delivered. The townspeople came and saw that man delivered, sitting in clothes in his right mind. Would run around the city and in the tombs, naked and breaking chains. And he'd become a show to everybody. Until Jesus showed up on the scene. And the Bible says when that boat hit the other shore, that guy came running and fell at the feet of Jesus and said, what do you want with me? It wasn't that guy talking. It was the devil in him. And God cast those things out, and that boy got into his right mind. And here's the cool thing about Jesus. On one side of the, the sea, he's inviting people into the boat. On the other side of the sea, the guy that got the comes up to Jesus, and he says, hey, I want to go with you. And Jesus says, you can't go with me. Sorry. You can't go with me. He says, well, what, what do you mean I can't go with you? And he said, I want you to be, he didn't say it in these words, but this is pretty much what he told him. I want you to be an evangelist. I'm sending you to the capitals, and I want you to tell everybody what's, what I have done for you. See, we think that this is good. When we begin to step out and step in, if that makes sense and go on a journey with Jesus those people that we're going to reach will reach way more people than we could ever reach that's the one that one guy reached more people than he ever could if he would have stood in the boat beside Jesus he just wanted to be with Jesus I just want to hang out with Jesus I'm one of his guys Jesus is like, no, man. He looked at his disciples one day and he said, greater things you shall do. What? You are the Messiah. You've raised people from the dead. You've opened blinded eyes. You've opened deaf ears. You've, you've healed sick people. I don't even understand, man. People with leprosy has come to you and boom, being cleansed just like that. And you tell me greater things we shall do? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Greater things you shall do. See, we got to get hungry. How many of you are hungry? Come on, hungry for souls. And some of you are like, yes, Mexican, right now, in the name of Jesus. How many of you are hungry? Hungry for a move of God. Hungry for Jesus' voice to look back at you and say, get in the boat. And hungry, waiting, get me on the boat. Let's go. Going Captain Dan on some people. Get me in the boat. I will fight the storm. All Jesus is looking for is hungry people. 
us as a church, we as a church, we have to choose to be people of faith, not people of fear. So today I pray faith over you because faith is nothing but trust. We will either trust God or we won't. I choose to trust God. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Real quick. As I'm preaching today, there may be someone in the room, even if it's for the one, I'm going to do this. There may be someone in the room and you say, hey, look, when you're talking all that, you're talking about how Jesus calls us to the vote. I've heard Jesus calling me to the vote, but I haven't responded. I've got sin in my life that is keeping me from getting in the boat with Jesus. Let me tell you, God's word is faithful, it's true. It's alive and it's powerful. He said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. Somebody in this room needs a cleansing today. To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I wonder who I'm talking to. You know exactly who you are. There's things in your life that are holding you back. Don't you allow those things to hold you back anymore. We're on a journey. Get in the boat so that we can go to the other side because there's one person that's waiting on you. They're waiting on you. They're not waiting on me. They're not waiting on this church. They are waiting on you to get your life right so that they can get theirs right. If that's you today, just slip up your hand. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's looking around. Yes. Anybody else? Thank you. Yes. Thank you right there. Anybody else? Anybody else? Nobody's looking around. Yes, right back here. I see your hand. Anybody else? This is not to shame anybody. This is a new start. This is a new journey. This is the greatest decision that you could ever make. Here's what I want you to do. If you raised your hand today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask for forgiveness of my sins. Become the Lord of my life. I believe with all of my heart that you died on a cross and rose on the third day for me. Become my Lord and Savior. Use me from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God a big old hand clap.